the Home Assistant Podcast, episode number 25. Joining me as always is Rohan. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And on today's show, we are talking a few, a lot of topics, but the first one we have is the new release, which is 0.69. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff in this one. Yeah. So um, the first one we have is the foundation for multiple users coming to Home Assistant. Yes. Um, which is going to be huge. Nothing really usable in this release. It's just the foundation is there, but yeah, there's some exciting stuff like reading over the documents for it as well. Yeah. So, so for those of you not familiar with it, essentially it's around having um, a proper username password structure rather than um, just using an API password. So this uh, makes quite of a bit of a difference, especially if you're starting to expose your home assistant um UI out in the public, um, things like that. So it it makes a huge difference for sure. Um, so I'm, I'm I love that that Paulus and the team are, are working on this. So I know when we chatted with him before, he said this was coming up. Uh, I didn't expect it to be this yeah. quick. Yeah. Well, I guess this is one of the advantages of having Paulus now full time on Home Assistant. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's great. So there's there's uh, again, like you said earlier, Phil, it's it's not usable yet but uh it's it's definitely the structure is starting to be put into place and then you know deciding hey you know we want to use oauth uh as a as an authentication mechanism things like that um so it uh looks like there's there's some decent progress on it hopefully we'll see we'll see more progress on this uh soon yeah so from what we can say uh so if people are a bit concerned about how this is all going to work what we can see in the documentation at the moment is if you're using a API password at the moment or any password for your front end, the support for that is going to remain mm-hmm. um, quite some time until you know multiple user support is properly fleshed out. So nothing to no too, uh, not very many big changes coming up right away, but something just to keep a, a lookout for in the next few releases. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then and that way you can retain your current settings or you can kind of move to the new structure right and uh and i think i think what they're going to use as an authentication mechanism is still being hashed out but just looking at some of the documentation a couple of the examples that were tossed around was uh was things like the home assistant cloud or uh i think i think again if you use oauth really you can use anything else that supports oauth like uh google or or Hotmail or, or, or I guess Outlook now, um, any any of those kind of authentication mechanisms that that uh, popular services have. I guess even things like Facebook and stuff you could use too. Yeah, potentially. And I think um, it, it looks like there's uh, some examples as well where you can even use like a, a Linux password file and, you know, really make it open to whatever platform you want to integrate with to authenticate with Home Assistant for. Yeah, totally. And and that's a nice uh that's a nice addition as well, right? If I just want to keep it local, I don't want to use any other users and and or any any other any other services that I want to tie my stuff to, then cool, you can just keep it local as well and just have a passwd file to say, you know, username and here's my hash or or whatever. So that's uh that's great as well. Yeah, so definitely uh, watch this space, but good good to see that there's a uh, progress being made. I think yeah, it's for sure. a very good feature. It's been requested a lot. Yeah. Um, also, we've got uh, a domain name expiry sensor. So for for those of you with a domain name, this might be handy. I mean, typically, depending on where you live, uh, typically ICANN or, or whoever else, they they uh, require you to actually be notified by email and such as well. But 
if you're like me and don't get to your email all the time, <laughs> then then this this definitely helps. This is one of those uh, things that could really uh, just remove some potential future egg on your face when you're trying to load up a, a website, like the website you own goes down. Oh, I forgot to renew the domain name. Oh, yeah, okay. exactly. Well, Google could have used this a couple of years ago when, uh, when when one of their old employees accidentally bought Google for like six minutes or whatever, right? Oh, that's right. Yes, I remember that. And uh, yeah, see, Google needs Home Assistant. Yep, that's it. That's so, what I got out Sold of this. It to them. <laughs> <laughs> um, another new protocol, well, not a new protocol, but another new device that's now been supported is the Xiaomi Bluetooth version of their wireless temperature and humidity sensors. Hey, there you go. Um, these yeah. are different to the Zigbee ones, which I just assumed they only had the Zigbee ones. So good to see that there's more support for more Xiaomi gear. Yeah. Do you do you have the uh, the Zigbee ones? I actually have them on the desk right next to me. They are about to go onto a wall somewhere. Awesome. So I don't know how uh, accurate that, but they are tiny. And I've just put in a few Xiaomi door window sensors that I had laying around. And I have a couple of switches, which I'm trying to get the click events to work in Home Assistant at the moment, but that's a, a work for tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, and then uh, there's also a social blade sensor now. So uh, I guess Social Blade is a is a service that gets you updates on uh, things like your YouTube channel, um, and I think Phil, you said I think you said uh, they do like Instagram and such as well, right? Yeah, I was just on their website before they do um, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and I think Twitch as well. That's cool. So you can see how many subscribers and views you have. So I I, I think the I think this sensor works for YouTube specifically, but. Uh, but I guess maybe uh, you know down the road you'll see you'll see more uh, more support on there as well. Yeah, a good a good way to um, if you have a run a YouTube channel, good way to put your YouTube uh, subscriber stats into a Grafana instance or something like that locally via Home Assistant. Totally, or or you know have a light blink or something <laughs> every every time you get a follower. You know, green light green light every time it increases one, red light every time it decreases one or something. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the Dutch Postal Service, PostNL, has a new component added in this release as well. So that's good to see another mail service with a, an open API added into Home Assistant too. Um, there's also a new uh, fan template. So essentially, um, you can templatize fan components with things like you know setting the speed, setting uh, oscillation, all these kind of uh, features. You can template that. Um, it's pretty useful, but at the same time, it's, it's Phil, like you and I were talking offline. It's, it's one of those things. I, I, I want to see how people use that one as well, um, across multiple fans. Yeah, that'd be very interesting. And the matrix, uh, notification platform, uh, this will be the first one, uh, technically a new platform and also a breaking change. So the matrix notification platform has been, uh, removed and moved to the matrix component, um, now, if you're a bit annoyed about that, one of the trade-offs is there is now support for a matrix chatbot. So, uh, similar to a Telegram chatbot where you can program mm-hmm. Home Assistant to do certain actions based on how you converse with the chatbot, now that is supported on the matrix communication protocol as well. Neat. Um, and that's a good segue into the breaking changes as well. Um, Rain Machine actually has been moved to uh, a new model of, of using Component Hub. Uh, so... Again, if if you're using Ray Machine, you probably need to update your uh, your configs. You might have noticed that it stopped working. Yeah, I'm guessing this is good for people that might have more than just that one Ray Machine hub. Yeah, yeah, perfect. 
um, breaking change for Sonos. The media player um, Sonos attribute is controller, has which is, was a Boolean value, has been removed. So if you were relying on that in a template or anything like that in your automations to find out which speaker of your Sonos system was the controller, it's been removed. It's been replaced with a Sonos group attribute, which will list all the group members and who the coordinator is of those of that group. So just something to be mindful of there if you use Sonos. Right. Um, also, pollen.com, uh, that uh, sensors had updates. Uh, so uh, you'll you'll have your entity IDs change. And uh, yeah, really, that's it for that one. Uh, Hermetic IP now requires a name attribute. So uh, some attributes for sensors have been removed. And the additional sensors will show the state of all found components. Um, have also been removed. Mm-hmm. So if you use Homematic IP, uh, make sure you add a name attribute to your config and just watch out for those sensors that may be missing. Yeah. Uh, so the system log won't fire events by default anymore. Um, hopefully it doesn't affect you. If it does, it's okay. Um, it's basically, the, the, I think I think the idea is to kind of clean up the logs a little bit as well. Um, but you can enable it back in. Um, so check the, check the, the actual listing for the component and uh and uh you can definitely add that back in if if that's something you use yeah well, i don't think many people are using this so that's why it's just been mm-hmm. changed there which is good uh homekit device class parameters now are required for humidity sensors so uh if you use homekit and you have a humidity sensor you'll just have to make sure that you use the device class parameter for those sensors otherwise they won't work anymore oh interesting okay so on that there's a new sensor device class so um essentially for for device classes that are like similar to binary sensors so like door sensors or you know flood sensors things like that right on off uh so normal sensors can now have device classes as well um uh, so mm. so one of the ones is illuminance uh i don't know if i'm saying that right illuminance yeah and uh yeah. And and so again, so now again, light levels, right? So how many lux do you have? Um, things like that. So for uh, you know, so again, Homematic, um, the Miflora, my sensors to Homa, Vera, a whole bunch of these other sensors that use that use the light sensor uh, capabilities, or, or, or I guess temp, uh, light intensity. Uh, they can they can start using this now, and then you can start pushing that through. Uh, yeah, that's actually uh, really good. I think it's. Um... Because obviously a home assistant is designed to speak with so many different uh, controllers and hubs and, you know, services. And they can all report, you know, essentially they're reporting light level, but they're reporting it in like different variants of, you know, how bright it is, but a different measurement. So it's good that yeah. home assistant is now going to try and just, you know, consolidate that and make it a standard measure across everything. Right. Yeah. Because, yeah, and saying uh, the unit Lux has been replaced with LX for consistency i'm guessing that's just different nomenclature but yeah yeah nice and some other noteworthy features in this release uh the there's been a new attribute added for the google location sharing which is added in a couple of releases ago now which is to um define the accuracy so now if you're getting a bit of you know fuzzy results with the google location sharing service you can actually define how accurate you need it to be Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then uh, they also updated the weather component uh, to have a new front end card. Actually, the new front end card looks uh, really good. Actually, 
I don't use um, like a weather component. I use um, like the dark sky right. just as a, a normal sensor just to get their raw values out. But I might actually switch over to a weather component just to get the, a nice weather card. Well, I think that uh, has been very well done there. That, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, Logitech pop devices. You know, those little Bluetooth push buttons, like just just a Bluetooth push button. Yeah. Uh, they're now supported in the emulated hue. So I'm not sure how you would use that. I'm interesting to see how that would be used. If you are actually going to use this, please feedback at haspodcast.io. I'd be interested to know how you're going to use that with the emulated hue component. Yeah, that'd be, uh, well, I guess, I guess that does make sense. Cause again, it's just a, it's just a switch at the end of the day. Right. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to see, I'd love to see what people are doing with that as well. Um, so tad free globes, um, or trad free, trad free globes. Wow. That's hard <laughs> to say. Uh, <laughs> so now you can now transition those between color temperatures. Uh, so essentially you have that, you have the functionality now. You would have thought that would have uh, been standard because it's like Zigbee. Yeah, I think, I think it's just, I think, uh, has didn't have the functionality until now. If I, if I'm not mistaken, I might be wrong on that one. Oh, cool. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, and some more HomeKit changes, of course, uh, the climate platform in HomeKit now supports a status of on off. So if your climate system has a value of on off it's now supported oh, in right. home kit as well okay that's cool also now uh anytime a new discovery or, or d- anytime the discovery runs and a new component is found um you'll actually get a little uh notification in the ui so let's say i plug in a new apple tv and and or a google chromecast and home assistant picks it up great uh, a lot of times it just kind of shows up in the past so now it'll show up and you'll actually know that it, that it got added. So Yeah. I think this was a, a feature that sort of got removed as the new like configuration systems have been slowly added mm-hmm. in over the past few releases. And now they've, this is a feature that's just come back, you know, hey, yeah. you didn't forget about it. Here it is again. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely handy, right? You don't want, just, you don't want stuff just showing up. Yeah, exactly. Um, so just uh, before our last recording, uh, Home Assistant had a pretty big change to their website. Um, which was splitting out the developer documentation onto its own site. Yeah. This was actually, um, I don't think it's going to affect too many people unless you're developing for Home Assistant, but it's good that now developers have a proper resource to go to and, you know, uh, for just developers. Yeah. So I guess I guess it prevents a lot of the jumping around too, right? Going from, okay, what's the components page say? What does this say? What does that say? And then, yeah. and then, and you know, it, it can be a bit of a, a bit of a pain. So hopefully, hopefully that actually helps a lot of people uh, that are developing. Yeah. Hey everyone. I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy video lock. It's a smart lock. That's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry. So you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy Video Lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. 
I've noticed in the past few uh, pull requests as well, there's been um, talk of a new Home Assistant GitHub repo um, architecture, I believe it is, which uh, by the looks of it, um, so usually when you do a pull request, you have to do it on the main Home Assistant repo. Yeah. And then also um, put in your documentation changes for the front end. Um, but there's also now a push um, for, I think, uh, the luminance um, sensor in this change um, also required that the documentation on the architecture repo got updated. So it now becomes a standard moving forward so that, you know, when a new developer comes along and they want to contribute a component, there's actually a standard way for that developer. Okay, if I want to do this, I have to do it this way because that's what the architecture documentation says. So right. I think it's good to give more consistency across a lot of new components as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't. what you don't want is you don't want really good documentation on like, let's say on HomeKit or, or on the Hue components or stuff like that. And then, you know, you use some one-off component and it's, uh, you know, it just says, hey, this component does this. Great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great. So... So I think uh, it's not going to be a big change for end users. And well, apart from new users that want to come onto the Home Assistant website, you know, yep. the Home Assistant website will be just for users. Um, but it will also, uh, slowly over time, it will um, create better, more standardized components in Home Assistant. So I think this is a very good addition. Yeah, for sure. And and especially when a project grows this large, you do want that consistency, right? So that uh, yeah, absolutely that makes a difference. So. No, that's great. Um, has IO OS. So beta release is coming out. Um, so that should be pretty exciting. Yeah. So this is, uh, I'm guessing it's a complete new OS um, to replace their Raspberry Pi images. So yeah. I'm not a Hasio OS user so, or a IO user at the moment. So this will be, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm watching this to see if it could be potential uh, for me to move over to. Wouldn't mind. Uh, I've got a couple of spare computers running around maybe i'll use them for just to run has ios on it yeah so you see what's going on on there um mm. and i guess if you're if you're virtualizing it too i guess that makes it easier right because you don't need to uh it, it's less cumbersome let's call it that yeah because it's based on ubuntu uh 18 yeah so the latest yeah yeah so that that should be nice all right so next also the google maps platform um requires billing information yeah so did you get any do you use google maps in your home no i don't i don't i you know what i I used to use the the free uh what is it uh open street map or whatever oh right Um, yeah and then i just i just haven't bothered with it i i never used it i never went to that or i never so i just i got rid of it but so now you can have the um google maps travel time sensor in home assistant Basically, to tell you, like you put in your address and your home address, and it will tell you, it'll it'll monitor the Google Maps to find out how much traffic is there to tell you how long it'll take to get to work, for example. Yeah. Um. So, in order to activate that with Home Assistant, you have to create an app on Google's um, developer platform to obtain an access token, all that standard stuff. Um, Google are now going to require that you have to put a credit card behind that app in order to keep uh, calling the Google Maps API. And they will start charging if you uh, make any excess API calls. Um, the emails that went out um, varied um, depending on how much uh, you used um, in recent months. Okay. I got an email. Uh, I only have Home Assistant hooked up. I got an email to say that my calls would reach the free threshold. And I have one travel sensor set up. Huh. So I guess you can, if you had, maybe you've had three travel sensors set up, four travel sensors. Yeah you may go over that uh, billing requirement. So just watch out for that. I did see 
Um, a couple of people mentioned that, you know, if you're looking for an alternative, maybe you could use the new uh, Waze component that was added in the last release. Yeah. Um, if you want to use that for travel time instead. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to know um, how people are using these as well. So like for me, for example, on my on my iPhone, I have I have Apple, both Apple Maps and and Waze. Um, and, and right now it's actually, it's actually kind of annoying because both of them are, uh, both of them are sending me notifications going, Hey, leave by, you know, and then they're both naturally, obviously they'll both give me different times. Uh, it takes you 47 minutes to drive versus it takes you like, you know, 55 minutes to drive here. I'm like, ah, which one is it? All right. So, (laughs) and then, and, and for me, that's a little more, cause no matter where I am, that kind of follows me. Right. So that's, that's. Yeah. But I'd love to know if people are doing any automations or anything like that based on based on 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 this. So, so I have it uh, my Google Maps one hooked up into like the morning briefing. Um, so as once I get into the bathroom, then the next time I go into the bedroom, yeah. the speakers will announce. You know, okay, this is the weather today, and also this is how long it's going to take you in traffic. That's cool. I guess um, if you want to get a, a bit fancy, you could. Um, integrate like the traffic time into your alarm system. So if there's lots of traffic, maybe you could get your alarm to come on a little bit earlier mm. or maybe if traffic's light, push the alarm back a little bit and have a bit of a sleep in. Yeah, that'd be kind of neat. I, I wonder if uh, I wonder if uh, Google's, uh, this component would let you use the, uh, I don't really know what it's called, but you know how in Google, on uh, Google Maps, you can kind of do a predictive like, hey, I want to leave, I want to arrive by tomorrow at, you know, 10 a.m. Ah, and because yeah. from what you're saying, I think yeah. that'd be kind of that'd be kind of cool, right? Yeah. So Google Maps always, um, uh, well, in at least in Home Assistant, it like polls every, you know, maybe once an hour or once every 15 minutes. I'm not too mm-hmm. sure. I think you might be able to configure it actually. Um, but the I know, uh, yeah, definitely that feature exists on Google. So I'm not sure if uh, the the Google Maps platform supports that in Home Assistant, but. Yeah, that's very interesting. That that would be that'd be good to have actually. Yeah, because then then what you're kind of saying makes it easier, right? Rather than having to pull, it can just do a predictive and just set your alarms based on yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So that'd be that'd be kind of neat. Uh, if again, if anybody if anybody's got that working, uh, feed podcast at or wow wow feedback at <laughs> haspodcast.io. I really need more coffee. Uh, um, and just be uh, one thing we should mention is uh, we are aware that our uh, Google podcasts haven't been updating. Google have been working on it for two months. Yeah. We uh, got notification yesterday that um, a couple of our episodes have started uploading. So hopefully we're uh, actually getting uh, things sorted now. But in case you're wondering, we haven't forgotten you, Google podcast users. We are trying our hardest to get our podcast on. Yeah. There. So so hopefully hopefully everybody's able to get it now. And and if not, let us know in the Discord or again feedback at haspodcast.io. And joining us on the podcast this week, all the way from Sweden, is Isabella. Thank you for joining us. Hello, thank you for having me. So tell us a bit about yourself. How long have you been using Home Assistant for? I think it's been like one and a half years now, or maybe maybe two. Ah, nice. And what are you running it on? Uh, I have an Intel Nook uh, right now with Hasio. So I have um, um, Ubuntu server. And then uh, Hasio is running in a Docker instance. Have you always used Hasio? Because that would be, you probably would have had to start with Home Assistant, right? Yeah, I started out with Haspian uh, on a Raspberry Pi 3. That's interesting. So, so why, why, the move to, uh, why the move to Docker and then Hasio running on a, 
on a server there? I actually first decided to get more stable uh, hardware because I had lots of trouble with um, like small uh, electrical surges that fried my cards. Oh wow! In the Raspberry okay. Pi, yeah, that was a Ouch. bummer every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then I decided to to run it on something more stable with an SSD drive. Right. Uh, and then when I made that switch, I decided to let's try out Hasio. It seemed uh, like better way, not uh, as much into Linux stuff. Yeah, fair enough. That's that's uh, interesting. Yeah. Do you use like the uh, Hasio add-ons with Docker as well, or do you use your own Docker images? Uh, no, I mostly use uh, the add-ons for now. I'm uh, yep. looking into some stuff, but nothing running yet. Nice. What smart home gear have you got installed using Z-Wave, Xiaomi? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Z-Wave, Xiaomi. Uh, I have uh, Hue and also Ikea's uh, lights, and I'm running those on the Hue bridge. That works fine. I also have uh, one Lifex bulb. (laughs) Oh, great. Uh, Yeah, uh, I had one... um, uh, one light that the other lights uh, didn't fit into. So I have a LifeX Mini. Oh, interesting. Ah. That's actually not mm. that much smaller than the other regular ones, but uh, it went in there, so I'm satisfied with that. <laughs> hey, if it works, it works. <laughs> yeah. And I also just this morning actually installed um, Smart Lock on our front door, uh, the Yale Doorman. Oh, very nice. I don't know if that's available like uh, all over the world, but it's um, connected to Home Assistant via uh, an alarm company called Very Sure. Oh, so does it go through the alarm company's hub or something like yeah. that for it to talk to Home yeah, Assistant? Yeah, exactly. It uses its API to talk to Home Assistant. Oh, very cool. Yeah, that is pretty neat. We have a ring doorbell too, so now our front door is totally covered. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. So... Are you using anything for in terms of presence detection to say, hey, you know, I'm home or I'm not, or, you know, maybe I'm in a specific room or, or anything like that? Yeah, just home or away. No uh, no room detection. I've, I've been looking into it. Seems neat. Uh, but we're using, um, actually, I, I got it from your homepage, Phil, uh, your um, not oh, really? so binary presence detection. <laughs> um, oh, that's awesome. So I have... Um, yeah, it's it's working really good actually, but we use it with uh, the Home Assistant iOS app and also Nmap and uh, Bluetooth uh, detection. Ah, cool. Do you have? So I think I'm um, I'm reading on your GitHub page. You have to use a different. Uh, you use a Raspberry Pi to get the Bluetooth status. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because right? um, Hasio doesn't have a, like an add-on yet, I guess, for the Intel Nooks built-in Bluetooth. So I have a, right. a slave instance running on a Raspberry Pi just for the Bluetooth stuff. Oh, so how do you get the slave to talk with the Nuke? I'm using a, a MQTT event stream. Uh, so the, oh, the Hasio instance. Um, I'm not sure, actually. I think I asked on the Discord server how I could like integrate yeah. another instance of... Because oh, I've seen um, a few people asking, you know, oh how can we get multiple instances talking with each other? And I think uh, the MQTT state stream was sort of suggested, but it, it seemed to be uh, not really maintained. But yeah, yeah, it sounds like we've finally found someone that's using yeah, it. Yeah, I think it's um, 
I only have the master instance subscribing to the slave and not the other way around because yep. that didn't work out so great. I got like double notifications and stuff. Yeah, feedback. Yeah, so I think it's it's fine when one instance is subscribing to the other one only. Ah, that's very cool. But it's working fine. Yeah, that that's something I wanted to set up. Yeah, it's good. And so how many people are in your smart home that are connected with Home Assistant? Uh, we're only two people, me and my husband. Oh, cool. And two cats. Nice. <laughs> oh, two <laughs> cats. Have, have you automated the cats I yet? have automated their litter boxes, Ooh, actually. nice. How are you doing that? Uh, I have a Xiaomi motion sensor that's um, uh, recording every um, visit to the litter box. Um, oh, nice. And I put it on like one visit is up to three minutes, so I don't get a lot of uh, extras. <laughs> and then I have um, uh, then I have that um, connected to Home Assistant that I get like when they're uh, they've been in there for two times, I get a notification if I'm home that it's time to clean. Oh, that's awesome! It's really good. I, I set it up when we moved to a house and had more litter boxes, and it was harder to remember to clean them all. <laughs> and what else are you planning? So you got the smart lock in today. What, what's the, the next thing you want to automate? Not actually sure. I was uh, looking um, at my uh, uh, issues list on uh, my GitHub repo uh, and looking for what my plans are, uh, but I'm I'm not sure what I'm going to do next. I think I would like to um, uh, put like a little, uh, those uh, Bluetooth uh, tile for presence detection. Oh, the trackers, yeah. the smart trackers, uh, yeah. I would like to like glue that onto my um, uh, garbage um, can outside. Uh, to see if we put it out for a collection every Tuesday. Oh, interesting. Oh, that's interesting. So see if, yeah. if it's connected, if it's home, uh, it's uh, not been put out. Yeah, I was thinking of um, using like a, a Xiaomi door sensor, but then you'd have to get the bin lined up perfectly yeah. with the other side of that door sensor. Yeah, exactly. I don't. But think... I like that idea of the the Bluetooth. Yeah, I might I might borrow that from you. <laughs> yeah, I th- I think it should work fine as long as your uh, collection spot is. Far enough away. Far enough yeah. away, yeah. And as long as when the, the truck picks up the bin, it's not too vigorous that it just knocks the tile into the yeah, rubbish. Yeah, that's my worry. Yeah. They're, they're not yeah. exactly cheap. <laughs> no, exactly. That's the problem, right? So, But, yeah, there's, I'm sure there's a few other ways you can go about doing it too. But the tile the tile seems actually really smart. Just is super easy, right? Yeah. If you can glue it on there really good, it should be fine, I think. Mm. Yeah. There was someone on Reddit um, asking the same question and they had, um, they were thinking of using a camera, you know, setting up a, like a a zone and if the, and trying to learn, like get home assistant to learn how, like if bin is actually there by looking at the camera feed. Um, But then a lot of suggestions in the comments were you're probably better off using a a binary sensor of some sort than trying to teach home assistant how to view the bin in the camera. Yeah. I think that's going to be hard. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I guess you could set up some sort of. It depends on how they collect your your garbage and and stuff. For us, when they collect our compost and recycle bins and stuff, they typically flip flip the box over once it's done. So you could also have yeah. some kind of a tilt sensor or something like that, right? Yeah, that's actually smart. That should work. Yeah, that's that's interesting. That's that's a uh, you know what that's that's one I've never actually thought of uh, thought of automating, <laughs> but that's that's actually really cool. Yeah, I, I thought of it because we constantly have to go up like eleven 
at night because uh, yeah. we forget to put it out in the day. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny because my uh, where I live, they they actually created an app to say, you know, uh, my my collections are on Wednesdays. So on Tuesdays at 10 p.m., the app will actually alert me and be like, hey, you know, uh, this week there's because we don't we don't always get uh, garbage. Garbage is every other week. And then recycling and compost mm-hmm. is every week. So they'll, uh, it'll actually, you know, alert me saying, Hey, this is what you got this week. And, you know, so on and so forth. And then if there's extra stuff like leaf collection or battery collection, things like that, they'll usually notify. So that, that's, that's handy too, right? I don't know if you guys have something like that too. Not really, but that, that would be handy. So kind of, kind of on, on a related note then, uh, what are some of your favorite, uh, routines that you have set up and, you know, like how do they, how do they help you in your life, like in your daily life? Uh, I, I really like the simple ones, like uh, uh, when we come home, the lights are on. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, uh, now uh, with the door lock, that would be even better. We can like know when we really get home. Um, and then also good night. Uh, when I tell uh, Siri good night, uh, all lights turn off. The bedside lamp turns on. Uh, and also I use the Xiaomi gateway uh, as a nightlight in our hallway. Yeah, that turns oh, on. Nice. Uh, the air cleaner in uh, our bedroom gets set to quiet mode, and the alarm goes to night mode. So that's, ah, that's really neat. nice. Yeah. Also, um, one of my favorites, uh, also to do with lights, is uh, when the ring doorbell um, rings. Uh, it flashes the lights in the backyard and the upstairs hallway. If we don't have uh, like to get the notification on us. Ah, we get so if you're too far away to hear the doorbell, yeah, exactly. We get like a visual yep. cue. That's interesting. That's cool. That's smart. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I like using light for notifications as well. Like, um, if we so I have my air conditioner automated, and I think I may have mentioned this on a previous episode, but if it's hot in the house and you know we have you know a door open or the windows open, I'll actually have the lights turn orange to say, hey, it's hot. I want to turn the air conditioner on, but you've left a door open, close it, and I'll turn the air conditioner on for you, as opposed to getting, you know, constant messages on your phone saying, hey, close the door or something. Yeah, mm. that's great. Yeah. Um, Just interesting, on your smart lock, do you have different pin codes for each person? Yeah. Or is it like a, you do? And does it allow you to um, know which pin code has been entered? I think so. I haven't actually integrated with Home Assistant just yet. We literally finished like an hour ago. Uh, with (laughs) putting in the lock Uh, but I think uh, you can uh, see who got home yeah that's that'd be a good way to determine who actually unlocked yeah exactly and I also want to um, integrate that one we have a cleaning service coming every other week Uh, and then I want to like turn off some automations uh, so that the lights don't go crazy great (laughs) Um, yeah that's a good point and um, uh, that might be really good to like know which it's the cleaners pin code turn everything off yeah and maybe disable that pin code you know when it's not their day to come clean yeah exactly so i noticed um in your github repo you've got a few um python scripts that you've put in there do you run those with app daemon or are they just through home assistant themselves yeah it's like uh, uh, through automations only i trigger them in the action okay i haven't looked into app daemon but i i would like to do so i don't know a lot of python code so it's mostly basic stuff Ah, uh, nice. So, um, are you like a developer professionally? Yeah, I'm a software developer. Ah, uh, nice. 
uh, but not Python. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, join the club. <laughs> Um, I also really liked you, your um, custom component that you've got called SwitchBot um, in your repo. Do you mind telling us a bit about that and what it does? Yeah, the SwitchBot is a, like a little cube uh, that has an arm that goes out. Uh, so it manually pushes buttons for you, uh, like things you can't integrate uh, in any other way. You can turn them on or off. Oh, so SwitchBot something you can buy? Yeah, exactly. Right? Or, oh, uh, wow. And they I, had... I've been looking for... This. Yeah, they had a Python script on their uh, forums, um, and I just uh, took it, made some changes, and uh, put it in a custom component. That is awesome. I'm going to have to all right, yeah, that's another thing <laughs> I have to add to my shopping list now. That's handy. Yeah. Yeah. It's really neat, actually. Are they expensive? Uh, maybe like $30, I think, each. Okay, that's pretty reasonable. Yeah, uh, but then they have, um, they have like their own hub, uh, to integrate with the uh, IFTTT and uh, stuff like that. But if, when you run it in Home Assistant, you don't need that one. You only need the little switch bot. Wow. Okay, so it doesn't even need a hub. Yeah, That's it cool. communicates through uh, Bluetooth. That's handy. Uh, I should uh, update the custom component, though, because right now it only handles one. <laughs> uh, right. So I should uh, make it so you can have more, because I actually have two. I'm only using the one right now. So, so what have you automated with your SwitchBot? A radiator in my husband's workroom. Nice. Because we have electrical yeah. uh, radiators, so we should uh, like do uh, one of those, um, what are they called, like switches that you integrate into the electrical wiring. The, the smart switch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we haven't got that, so I found this SwitchBot thing, and I thought, hmm, I, I only need to, like, turn the radiator on so um it works fine for that that's handy yeah because i'm a renter so there's a few things like that i can't just rip out of the wall and you know change this change that so having something a little thing that just has a little thing that flicks the switch for me that would be very handy yeah yeah you should look into it yeah yeah i'm adding that to the shopping list so so how do you how do you typically interact with your with your smart home, Isabella, is is, is most of the stuff uh, automations, or, or I mean, one of the things you mentioned earlier was uh, was uh, uh, Siri integration. I'm guessing through HomeKit. Uh, yeah. What's the you know, or do you open the UI every time? And um, mostly, most of our stuff. Um, my philosophy is you shouldn't make anything just only smart, only available through the app. So all our light switches work uh, as they used to before uh so yeah. uh, i don't know i i used use siri a lot to like turn on and off lights when i'm carrying stuff when i get home or stuff like that but most of the things are automatic i i don't have to use anything right i also cool. really like the ios actionable notifications uh so that uh, when uh, when I leave home, uh, hello, w- when everyone leaves home, um, I get an actionable notification that says, everyone seems to be away. Do you want to turn off all the lights? And then I can mm. press uh, hard press that notification and push yes or no. Because uh, I don't yeah. always want to turn off all of the lights when I'm out. That's handy. Yeah, that's a that, that's that's a good way to interact. I mean, one of the one of the big things Phil, myself, and in the past Dan as well have talked about is just uh, is in interacting with your smart home, right? And and then personally, I I share your exact view of you know I shouldn't have to open the app every single time, 
uh, or or open open home assistant every single time to do something, right? Yeah. So because that makes like it's smart because you can use your phone, but is it really smart? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> It's a whole thing like, why do I have to flip out my phone to turn on a light bulb now? Yeah. I like yeah. it when uh, when Home Assistant asks me stuff and I can say yes or no or something like that. Yeah, exactly. And you've got plans to put in a floor plan, so you're going to put some tablets around the house? Yeah, that's my plan. Uh, I just have to uh, like perfect the the floor plan itself first. Uh, then I... How are you finding it? Um, it's, it's good, actually. I like it. Yeah. It's very... Uh, Good visual cue. <laughs> yeah. Hey, actually, I can see here um, you've got you're using um, an Amazon Echo as well. How are you using her in the in your smart home? Right now, I'm actually mostly using it for um, uh, the Sonos and Spotify, like asking for playlists yes, nice. and songs. Because otherwise, mm, I've yep. got an Apple Watch recently, so Siri is always with me. <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. So, does the Apple Watch um, allow you to do like control your smart home through Siri there as well? Yeah, I can um, uh, ask um, Siri, of course, but then uh, it also has a watch app uh, that I can see all of my favorites from the uh, home app. Ah, right. Yeah. So I'm not an iOS user, so that's so you've integrated. So that's part of HomeKit, I'm imagining. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's cool. And. Do you have like the any Apple Watch specific stuff that you've started playing with for home automation related stuff? Um, there's like uh, small complications on the watch, um, for um, example, for temperature or uh, opening an app or something. And um, uh, the pushover notification service for Home Assistant, um, you could use that for like sending messages straight through the complication on the Apple Watch face. Uh, I oh, have started right, yeah. looking into that. Should be usable for something. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. You've obviously already added to my shopping list with that SwitchBot thing, and I'm going to, if I ever get one, I'll have to steal that component from you. Yeah. But thank you for sharing your GitHub repo with everyone as well. We'll leave a link to that in the show notes as well. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Thank, thank you, Isabel. Bye.